Hey everyone, I'm Anne Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next, episode 28. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader. What should I read next? We don't get bossy on this show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Every week, we talk all things books and reading and do a little literary matchmaking with one guest. Before we get to today's guest, I want to tell you about a special event I'm doing this September in Savannah, Georgia. It's called Read Savannah. It's a wonderful event for readers, and our keynote speaker is the fabulous Leanne Moriarty. Leanne is coming to the States for the first time ever this fall. She's only visiting 10 cities. We have no idea when she'll be back, but her only stop in the South is Savannah with us. This is going to be so fun. The main scheduled event will fill a Sunday afternoon. We'll kick off with a movable feast, which is a sit-down lunch where authors rotate through the room, come sit with you at your table, and talk books with you while you eat. After lunch, we'll have sessions and panels with a variety of award-winning and best-selling authors, and of course, with Leanne Moriarty herself. I'm also teaming up with the wonderful ladies that she reads from episode 15 to host a combined get-together for our favorite readers during the weekend. Date and time to be announced, but it will be near the event hotel in the middle of the historic district and likely on Saturday afternoon. Read Savannah is held in partnership with the Southern Independent Booksellers Alliance Trade Show, so the event hotel will sell out really soon. Again, that date is September 18th. Tickets are $45 for the afternoon sessions or $55 for the panel's keynote and the Movable Feast lunch. We only have 200 tickets available. It's going to be great. For more information, go to whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash read-savannah. Again, that's whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash read-savannah. Thanks so much. I hope to see you there. It's going to be great. Now, on to today's guest. I'm happy to welcome Andrea Griffith to the show. Andrea is a former medical librarian, a mother of two young girls, and the owner of an independent bookstore in Olympia, Washington. I love chatting with Andrea, especially the story about how this bookstore became her bookstore is just not my socks off. And she also added as many books to my own reading list as I did to hers, I believe. I hope you enjoy our conversation today. Let's get to it. Andrea, welcome to the show. Thank you, Anne. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, well, me too. I'm happy to have you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Yes. Well, I'm a, I'm a medical librarian turned bookstore owner, and I live in Olympia, Washington, and I'm a wife, and I have two little girls, and I'm a big reader, obviously. It's just been quite a ride the last couple of years. Um, should I tell you a little bit about my career trajectory a little bit? Definitely, because my first, I have many questions, but my okay. first is, what is a medical librarian? So I worked, so I, I have my MLIS, and I was an academic medical librarian for about seven years in Southern California. Mm -hmm. And so I worked with medical students and nursing students and pharmacy students, mm -hmm. and it helped people with their um, PhD research, and it was very fun, and I loved it. Um and so it's a lot of medical um, literature searching mm -hmm. and managing a collection, that type of thing. Okay, that makes a lot more sense than I expected it to. It's yeah, my it's, liberal arts brain. I loved it. It was so, it was an, an unexpected type of um, path into to librarianship, but mm -hmm. I absolutely adored it. Mm -hmm. But then my husband and I moved from Southern California. We lived in New York for a while. Mm -hmm. Then we moved to Olympia, Washington. And there's obviously no medical school 
or a big nursing school mm-hmm. close to us. And so I took a job. I was the, the manager of a small hospital library mm-hmm. within a big healthcare corporation. And it was not for me. I just, I felt it was just like the exact opposite of what I wanted to do with my life. um, And so I made it almost two years and I was working from home one day and I cold called a bookstore owner in our little downtown area. And I just said, would you ever be interested in selling me your bookstore? And (laughs) wow. And she said, and she's in, she was in her seventies uh-huh. and, and, and she said, yes, maybe we should meet. And so we met for coffee and uh-huh. I hadn't even at this point talked to my husband about this. Uh-huh. I just sort of, I was just have having like an existential like crisis, uh-huh. like what am I doing with my life? And uh-huh. so I called her and we met for coffee and it all just sort of worked out within six months. We had bought the business. Oh my gosh. It wow. was really, yeah. So cool. how long ago was that? So it'll be two years ago in October. Uh-huh. And so it's an 81-year-old bookstore in our downtown area in Olympia, Washington. And um, it needed a lot of love. Mm-hmm. It, it was all used when I bought it. We're up to about 25% to 30% new mm-hmm. at this point. And it had pink carpet and cobwebs coming off the ceiling, but it's in a beautiful old building with really skylights and... Um, it just needed a lot of love for it to um, succeed. And we are doing so much better after two years of very hard work. Mm-hmm. So um, it's really fun to take a a business that is clearly not at its best mm-hmm. and put everything into it and just see it succeed. Okay, we could go in a million different directions. Mm-hmm. With that. And I have questions. But <laughs> my big one is what mm-hmm. kind of impact has owning and running a bookstore had on your reading life? I thought I knew a lot about books. It has just like, it has just opened up so many things I don't know, which is really exciting, really exciting. But it's also with adding new inventory, I feel this intense pressure to be up on what is current. And obviously I can't read everything. And so I'm pretty good at picking things that I know that I can read and I will like, and then in turn sell. Mm -hmm. Um, But just the sheer amount of what is out there and what I know I would like is just overwhelming. And it's also to the point where um, I'm not reading anything that hasn't been published within the last few months. Mm -hmm. That's what I would like to see different in my reading Uh, life. I relate to that. Yeah. Because I am not obligated to customers walking in the door who want to know about Mm -hmm. the hot new releases like you are, but I just... We're recording this in June and I just put out my annual summer reading guide. And I feel like for months I've been reading nothing but the new, 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 new. And this year's crop of novels, I think, has actually been really, really good. Yeah. Um, markedly better than last year. I don't know what your experience was. But <laughs> but still, like every June, I want to reread all of Jane Austen, like just to balance out the centuries Absolutely. A bit. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I can't wait to hear about your books. So... I'm curious if these are going to be new or old. Um, you know how the format works. So you're going to tell me three books you love, what okay. you hate, and what you're reading now. And we're going to find some titles for your okay. TBR list. Okay, so what's great. the first book you love? Well, my criteria, I just have to say a little bit. Oh, I want to hear. Here. Um, I picked books that I have read in the last few months mm-hmm. that I would reread 
And so that's why I picked the books I loved that I just love so much that I would want to reread them someday. I just read so much. And that that's how I know I love a book is if, you know, in a couple of years, I would pick it up again. So because it's not like you're ever at a loss for anything to read. So if you could be reading anything and you choose to revisit one of these, that's really saying something. Yes, exactly. So the first book I loved was A Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara. Okay. Tell all the readers about this because what I know is uh, award-winning, phenomenal prose. I'm terrified of it because of all the content warnings I've heard. And I don't Mm -hmm. think it's a book for me, but I just Mm -hmm. keep hearing about it. And I'm so Mm -hmm. curious and, you know, whether or not the listeners are going to pick it up, we want to know what it is and why it's your favorite. Okay. Tell us everything. Um, It is a novel about four male, four male friends that they graduate from college and then they all four move to New York city to make their way. And in the big city and in their various careers that they have. And as the novel progresses, um, the central figure is a a man named Jude St. James. Mm -hmm. And at, it, this is a doorstop of a novel. It's huge. And <laughs> so, it, I mean, it's a commitment to read it. And so, um, but Jude is just this enigmatic figure and you know that something happened to him in his childhood. You, you get that sense as you, as you're reading it, but you don't really know exactly all of the details until you're well into the novel. And mm-hmm. he never, it's just one of those novels that if you are in it, you are in it. I mean, I dreamed about it. I, I was thinking about it when I wasn't reading, Mm -hmm. actually reading it. It's just like it, the prose is just beautiful. And she creates this world with these four friends that there's nothing that I've read that's been quite like it. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, the brokenness of Jude just gets your empathetic all of the empathy going mm-hmm. and, um, but it's not for everyone, mm-hmm. definitely not for everyone, but I just, it was just one of those novels that just has stayed with me, even though I had to put it down a few times because it is the, the content is a little overwhelming mm-hmm. at times, okay. but I just loved it. But still, but still you want to go back. Yes, I would. I would totally go back. Okay. So See, yeah. I hear a description like that and I keep thinking about it, but mm. are you a skimmer during sensitive parts? Are you okay with like flipping forward a few pages or did you, it no. sounds like maybe you no. took a deep breath, walked away. I'm, yes. Came back, I had to and then read every word. I had to walk away for a while because it, it is intense. Um, it is, it's a really intense novel, but I walked away for a while and then returned. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, the intensity was worth the story. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it's very raw mm-hmm. and, but I loved it. I just, I could not put it down. And I've had lots of customers that have since read it mm-hmm. and they fall into camps way too much for them or mm-hmm. too like, I'm so glad I read this and I'm so glad I like persevered to the end. Mm-hmm. So, Oh, okay. I'll be thinking about that. <laughs> What's your book too? Okay. My book too is my name is Lucy Barton by Elizabeth Strout. Mm-hmm. And I read all of Elizabeth Strout's novels, and this one was by far my favorite. And I loved all of her other ones. Okay. I've only uh, read My Name is Lucy Barton. Oh, re- I, keep, I keep meaning to get to the other ones, but I haven't done it yet. Like her first, um, Amy and Isabel, that oh. one was really, I, I think you would like it. It's, okay. it's really lovely. Um, but this is an exact opposite novel in tone as A Little Life. Okay. It's slim. 
Um, and it's about a woman named Lucy Barton who spends nine weeks in a hospital in New York for, she goes in for a routine surgery and it's more complicated. And so she's there in a hospital for nine weeks and it's, the tone is almost, it's meditative, I would say. And, um, her mother who's estranged from her comes to visit her in the hospital. And it's one of those novels that it weaves in and out of time and place and, it goes back into her childhood and it's a little bit into the future and in her time in the hospital, but it's about writing and motherhood and never really escaping our childhoods. Mm -hmm. And it's just one of those novels that I wanted to immediately reread, mm -hmm. um, finished it. It's slim. You can read it in an afternoon, mm -hmm. honestly. I think and I then, did. I think yeah. I read it on a rainy Sunday, start to finish. Oh, and it just, but it has stayed with me. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those just absolutely beautiful novels that I will definitely return to. Okay. What is book three? Book three, I just finished this one last week, uh -huh. is Sweet Bitter by Stephanie Danler. Mm -hmm. And it, it's a really new release. Yes. And I'm dying to hear what you think because I saw it. I thought, I definitely want to read it. And the more I thought about it and read the description, I thought, you know what? I bet that's one of those novels that sounds good on paper and is not actually a great reading experience is the product of, you know how like uh -huh. publicists are often very good at their jobs and can make a novel sound uh -huh. amazing totally. when it doesn't have the substance to back it up. So that is the place where I had arrived. But uh -huh. now you're saying it's one of your favorites. So I want to hear everything. Well, it's about a 22-year-old girl mm -hmm. who goes to the big city in New York. She gets an interview with a really prestigious res restaurant mm -hmm. in downtown New York. And um, she basically learns the restaurant business mm -hmm. and pretty much self-destructs in that year in, in the restaurant. Mm -hmm. Her drinking, um, drugs, and then there's this really strange but compelling relationship between um, one of the servers the bartender and this young girl mm -hmm. and the writing is beautiful. Mm -hmm. The world is interesting. You know, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't work in a restaurant in New York. I've never worked in the restaurant business. No, but and I so, love to experience it by yes, personally. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so that part of it was so fascinating, mm -hmm. honestly. And then just the relationships that she has with this, all the people that work in this restaurant, it was just, it was really well done. I thought I really enjoyed it. Okay. I'm going to uncross it off from my list for forever. We'll see. I think you would like it, Anne, honestly. What I did really like was the story of how that book came into being. Had you heard about how Stephanie did? Now, I might be, don't like make a biopic based on right. what I'm about to tell you. Like, let's all verify the facts first. But it's something like Danler was working in New York as a server or hospitality professional of some sort, pitched an editor sitting at her table who said, yeah, I want to see that manuscript. Like, that's how the book came into being. Yeah, I read that too. But her writing works. It yeah. is beautiful. I mean, she it's, was an MFA student. It's not like she was just, you know, just, yeah. just bopping along thinking, oh, maybe I'll write a novel. I mean, exactly. she, she had a lot of experience behind her. It's, it's one of those, like, it would be so fun to read Gabrielle Hamilton's um, memoir, um, Blood, Bones and Butter. Mm -hmm. It would be really fun to read that along with this novel, like as a I don't know, a companion piece in a book club or something. I, it just, it worked really well for me. I love books like that. I think mm -hmm. they're lots of fun. Okay. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, this is messing with my reading list. Okay. Real quick. 
tell me one book you hate before I get too sidetracked. Well, it's so hard for me to pick a book that I hate, but um, I'm a pretty, when I'm invested in a novel, Mm -hmm. I just, I am pretty forgiving Mm -hmm. of a reader. Like I just, I, I find something that, you know, is, is worthwhile. Um, so hate is a strong word, but I, and this is overdone too, but I hated go set a watchman, which I know has been done on your show, but, um, and maybe that that book provokes strong opinions. It does. So, so why does that one stand out to you? It's not so much that I hated the words on the page, Mm -hmm. but I hated the way it was presented. It was just, I felt like it was just a really murky, shady deal. Um, If they had, you know, it was presented as a complete novel, like a finished novel. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, it's a manuscript. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what this, that's what this is. And if they would have, um, the publishers would have put some critical essays at the end of the book and kind of put it in place with um, To Kill a Mockingbird, Mm -hmm. I I would have just approached it completely differently, but there was just something so shady about the publishing history of that book that I just, I couldn't get behind it. And it had nothing to do with the content because I, I was fascinated Mm -hmm. by, you know, the, the differences and the similarities. I think it between To Kill a Mockingbird, I, I thought it was great, but it was just marketed in a way that I just didn't I, I, I couldn't be complicit in with it, but I read it. So I guess I am, but it, but I hear what you're saying. Like I did yeah. not enjoy the book. You know, it's not like, Oh, this is a great read. Go pick this up. Right. That's not what I said afterwards, no. but it made me, it made me, I, I was an English major, but I think it made a whole lot of readers like pull out their English major hats mm-hmm. and really engage with the Absolutely. text and the comparison in a way that no mm-hmm. other book that they've read this decade has mm-hmm. compelled them to do. Like That's I thought it was fascinating. And horrible and fascinating. I, I thought a lot about the word hate. And I just, that's <laughs> the only, that's the only uh-huh. book that I have read in probably five years that I could say that I truly hated. How about a book, maybe even a popular book that hasn't been to your taste as a reader? You can see it has its, you know, it's good points, but it's not for you. I read Little Rose by Louise Erdrich mm-hmm. the other day mm-hmm. and I finished it and I could see all its wonderful points. It didn't work for me as well as some of her other novels, um, for sure. It just, the tone was a little off for me. Um, I loved the story, um, but it just, it didn't work as well as The Roundhouse, for example, Mm -hmm. for me. So um, that's one. I came across something really interesting, and I'll put it in show notes, about, um, it was some art critics criteria for looking at a piece that instead of saying, Oh, I like it or I don't, which is kind of fun, but mostly unhelpful when you're talking about works was to go a little further and be like, if I were to like this, I would appreciate this aspect of it. Or if I were to see a flaw and I wasn't just emotionally all like warm, fuzzy in love with it. But if I were to like Mm -hmm. look for a flaw, it might be this just, you know, to give you another way of looking at a manuscript. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I can appreciate that in Mm -hmm. Louise Erdrich. Yeah. All right. What are you reading right now, Andrea? I have quite the stack right here. <laughs> Thanks to you, I'm 50 pages away from finishing The Nest. Oh, how is and, that for you? Oh, so it's like the quintessential vacation read for me. I just, it has been so much fun. My kids have been playing in the pool and 
I've been reading that novel and I've just loved it. I don't understand why more novels aren't written about money. It's just, it's, it's just been such a fascinating, fascinating read. So Mm -hmm. thanks to you. I've read that one. I'm glad you're enjoying Um, it. Yes. Um, I have two books by women named Emma on my stack. (laughs) I'm reading, I'm going to read the girls by Emma, um, Klein. Mm Mm-hmm. And also um, Modern Lovers by Emma Straub. Wow. Our, uh... So those are my two Emma books. And then I always bring um, The Quotidian Mysteries by Kathleen Nor- Norris um, on vacation with me. Really? Yes. It's just, it's always been like my reset book, uh-huh. uh, my whole adulthood. So I've, I've read it, I don't know how many times, but I love it. That is so interesting that you do it on vacation. Because mm-hmm. it's about living the rhythms of your normal everyday life mm-hmm. and you're on vacation, which is not the rhythms of your normal everyday life. So I can see how that's a good place to get some distance to see it's your normal great. everyday life before you reenter. Absolutely. Yeah. When I feel overwhelmed and we're finally on vacation and this just like resets, mm-hmm. it resets my rhythms. And when I come back, I, I can see things and see how I'm doing things um, and how I can be different or appreciate something more, but it's just, it's a really important book to me. Okay. I like that. I love that book. That makes me want to go mm-hmm. reread it immediately. Mm-hmm. And I think I recommended it to, I know we talked about it, but I think it was one of my picks for Ed Sezeski in one of the, I think he's episode 11, 12, yeah, something like that. Uh-huh. Fun. And it, you can read it in an afternoon. Mm-hmm. And Oh, it's like 80 pages. It's, yeah. yeah it's, it's, not just, long. it's just lovely. So it's one of my absolute favorites. Okay, so Andrea, we've talked a little bit about what you want to be different in your reading life, not nonstop contemporary fiction. Is right. do you have is that your specific goal or do you have anything else? That is definitely my specific goal. It's just I'm feeling a lack of depth. Uh-huh. And if this helps at all, um, I know that your listeners will appreciate this. Um, I have one daughter named Kate with a C, C A T E, but uh-huh. her middle name is Cordelia. Uh-huh. After Yes, Anthony yes, they will. Yes. <laughs> Um, and so in my second daughter is named Jane. Uh-huh. And so those are my roots. Um, Jane Austen, Jane Eyre mm-hmm. and the Anne books. Those, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's what has, I'm really missing reading at whim and just discovering something and picking it up. Oh, I feel like this book today. Mm-hmm. And I've got such an agenda at this moment, um, that, I've, I've lost a little bit of the, um, just the beauty of reading at whim, honestly. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I'm really missing. Right. Because I would imagine you feel like you need to read, to be informed as your job to talk with your customers about what's, what's selling. Yes. Okay. Okay. Andrea, let's talk about your books. Okay. Okay. Like I said, I really resonate with your plight here. So nonstop contemporary fiction and what, I, what's hard about it, I think, it's not just that it's contemporary fiction, because a lot mm-hmm. of that has wonderful depth and breadth and beautiful writing. But unlike novels that were published 30 years ago, or 300 years ago, the cream hasn't had a chance to rise to the top. And especially mm-hmm. you probably end up reading advanced copies so that you know what you want to hold in your store. And you mm-hmm. know what readers are going to be asking for, say, this fall when it's only summer. So you have even less chance to, to like the books haven't been vetted. You're doing it yourself, which is fun, mm-hmm. but also completely overwhelming. Am mm-hmm. I, do you relate to that? Am I getting this right? Yes, I, it's true. Um, 
the one of the advantages of having a really small store though is I only carry what I want to carry, mm-hmm. you know, and so I really do I really do vet what I read and what I carry in the literary fiction mm-hmm. genre pretty well. Mm-hmm. I f- I feel like we can order anything for for customers, but I feel like I do a good job of um picking some really good things. Oh yeah. But, you know, but you have to have experience with them to hand pick those, those things. Yeah, exactly. Which so is fun. it's so fun. It's so fun. And <laughs> yeah, and it's just, there's, I, I can never read fast enough mm-hmm. and I can never, I can never read everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do have a life outside of this business, you know, too. So I'm tempted to make a snarky comment, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So or we could just say what reading is life, but we won't do that either. Yeah. Okay. So. I, my big question is, do you want to go new, the, the good new novels? Or, I mean, that's one person's opinion. That's my opinion of what I think you'll like based on what I've read. Or do you want to go back to some backlist and spend some time going for the older stuff? Two years ago or 20 years ago? Yeah, I, I think backlist, but with maybe one new, you know, um, I'm, I'm really open to your to your <laughs> honestly but I, I think there's so many titles i mean i could just pick out of a hat i think how about how about backlist yeah. i'm just i'm craving something that's not completely new and that's no one's writing about it in entertainment weekly you know what i mean just <laughs> just something that that i could still sell to people mm-hmm. you know but just is not on the forefront of the news okay first off Talk okay. to me about your relationship with Marilyn Robinson. Deep and lovely. I th- I think I've read everything that Excellent. she's okay, except for a couple of her nonfiction books. Um, I haven't read any of her nonfiction. I yeah. mean, not counting the stuff that's been in the you know whatever <clears throat> publication she's writing right. for her essays. I've read her essays. I even when more. my first daughter was born, um, we lived in Southern California, and I think Kate was like two weeks old and we were dragging her to a Marilyn Robinson reading in, in LA, just, just to, to get a signature from, um, Marilyn Robinson on, on Gilead because I, she's just, there's no one writing in the United States today, like Marilyn Robinson. It's, she's amazing. I would have, if I had to pick one title for you though, I would have picked Lila. Oh so. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, her. you couldn't go wrong with any of them, but beca- no. it was because of Lucy Barton. Yes, yes, yes. I can totally see that. Okay. Talk to me about Donna Tart. I've read everything by Donna Tart. <laughs> Is that a good title? <laughs> yes. I, I, I loved the secret history the most, mm-hmm. um, but she just works for me. It was going to be the secret history because of a little oh, really? life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yes. have the, uh, the boys and a woman in the secret history uh-huh. at school. To, yeah, you know, forge a bond and then stuff happens. But it's it's been so long since I read The Secret History and I'm a big rereader. I love to reread. I I feel like books change as I get older in the most surprising ways mm-hmm. that I would really consider rereading it, mm-hmm. honestly. How long ago do you think you read it? 10 years ago. Okay. Okay. At least yeah. a lot can change in 10 years. Absolutely. What about Wallace Stegner? I've only read Angle of Repose. Okay. This is book one. It is okay. a crossing to safety. 
Now, okay. I've read this like five times. Okay. Not that that's a recommendation. So I'm, I'm giving you one of my favorite picks here. So you're yes. under obligation to love it. I just need you to No, I'm being, I'm kidding. But, um, Seriously, it's difficult to describe this novel in a way that's interesting because mm-hmm. it is deliberately a story about the ordinary lives of four ordinary people. It's set just after World War One, I, I think. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, so it's about two couples who meet when the husbands are both professors at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and they strike up what ends up being a lifelong friendship. And it's just, the writing is gorgeous, which is why I keep reading it. And mm-hmm. he has constructed this story out of ordinary lives. And they do, I mean, they do some pretty interesting things. But mm-hmm. the way that he's able to weave together this story over years and many times in many places with lives that change, like, in a moment. on a, You mm-hmm. know, because something happens on a camping trip or in Italy or just in a conversation between friends. And yet he writes in such a way that you are riveted just okay. by these very prosaic, almost lives. So right. don't read too much about it. Just pick it okay. up and start reading. Okay. And because of the way the novel's been constructed, it almost works in a circle. So you're, you're starting at the end of the story on page one. Um, so the okay. first time I read it, and I'm seeing where these people ended up before I was plunged back into their history, I was getting oriented and I was going, oh, this is interesting. What's happening here? Who are these characters? And then when I picked it up the second time and started reading, I knew, like I had that investment. I knew the characters and it just hit me with a whole different emotional weight going through the second time. So the writing is just so wonderful. The pacing is spot on. Um, And really it's about, it's about things that everybody lives. Like it's about love and friendship. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also a lot about marriage but it's mm-hmm. just, it's so good. It fits right in with your picks, like strong literary fiction, um, beautifully woven together story. And this is in the 300 page neighborhood. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Right. That sounds exactly at my alley for I, sure. I can't wait to hear what you think about that. One. Okay. Okay. Going back just a little bit. Have you read Station Eleven? Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Do you want to stick with straight nonfiction? I mean, straight fiction? No, I read a lot of nonfiction and I love nonfiction. Okay. So because of what you said about Sweet Bitter, I am thinking about Michael Ruhlman's Chef Trilogy. Do you know anything about him, about this? No, No, I don't. Okay. Now, he made a plunge into the fiction world not that long. I think just last fall, he had a, um, a sequence of three novellas come out. It's called In Short Measures. So since you do own a bookstore, you might have had that around. I've had this on my shelf for a while. I intend to read it. I have not read it yet. But he didn't spring to mind because of his novellas. He sprang to mind because of his trilogy. Um, I don't know that it has a name, really. So the first one is called The Making of a Chef. You should start there. The subtitle is Mastering Heat at the Culinary Institute of America. And this guy has a very interesting career path. He started as a journalist, I believe, and through a series of magazine gigs and just exploratory writing, he was writing about people at work. So he wrote about, um, I think he wrote about a boy only private school. There's got to be a more eloquent way to say that. Um, He wrote about heart surgeons. I think he wrote about people who build things out of wood, unless I'm confusing him with Michael Paul in there. And then just writing about people at work, he enrolled in the Culinary Institute of America 
as a journalist. I mean, he wasn't a real student, but he was. He was Mm -hmm. acting like a real student, but he was there as a journalist to write about what it's like to be a student there, like how intense and grueling it is. Like, so the top chefs in America, like how do that, what makes them the top chefs? How do they really get trained? And I didn't mean that to sound like the TV show because I'm just now realizing Top Chef is a TV show that I've never watched, but people do. And I don't want to give you the impression that it's like that, although maybe it is. So basically he talked his way into the CIA, which is funny at times, depending on what crowd you're in, when you're talking about the CIA, it can take a minute to realize like cuisine, not spice. So he thought that the experience would make for a good book, and he was totally right. So this world he enters has really strong personalities, like uncontrollable egos, high drama, and amazing food. And reading it, it was just fascinating. It was like being vicariously able to experience this whole other world. And it was Sweet Bitter that really made me think of this. So you'd never guess that the making of a brown sauce, which sounds uninteresting, could be the occasion for high drama. But really, I was turning the pages like it was a spy novel. Okay, It's just really interesting. That's totally up my alley. Definitely. It's so good. So, and if you love it, this is the first of a trilogy. So you have the making of a chef and then Mm -hmm. I think the soul of a chef is the next one where it goes like, really behind the scenes and deep into the hearts and lives of some individual chefs. Okay. And then the next is the reach of a chef, which is about the like professionalization. That's not really the word I want. How about the glamorization of chefs in America today? Okay. But the making of a chef came out at least 10 years ago. It's been around a while. We've had, I can picture the cover. We've had this book, you know, off and on at the store and it always sells. Really? Mm -hmm. Oh, good. That makes me happy for the state of fashion. I've never picked it up. Mm -hmm. So, um, pick it up. I love food memoirs. So this is great. Oh gosh, me too. Yeah. I was trying to think of another book that really did the, a novel that did the world of food really, really well. Mm-hmm. And I can think a lot that meet the first criteria, but not as many that meet, you know, the second set of criteria. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like it. What? Okay. So for a third pick, let's go back to fiction. Have you okay. read Americana? Yes. Okay. What, how did you like it? I loved it. I listened to it. Me too. I, I you know, I listened to a ton of mm-hmm. audible books and that just worked so well on audio. Um, the reader was amazing. You just got the musicality of the language and the voices and it just, it worked so well for me. I loved it. What about Wendell Berry? We carry all of Wendell Berry in the store and I have never read Wendell Berry. It's kind of embarrassing, but true. Jaber Crow. Okay. Book three. Okay. Oh, I'm excited. Okay, Andrea. How do you happen to carry it all in the store if you've never read it? Do people ask for it or you just know that it clusters well with what your readers like? It does. We're a real environmental town um, and people walk in at least once or twice a week and ask, where is Wendell Berry? Really? Yes. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. It's, we're a university town. Um, people are always asking for Wendell Berry. So I, I mean, I have bought his Sabbath poems, um, but they are. That was my last impulse buy at my local indie bookstore. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, that's so a week funny. Ago. I haven't cracked it open yet, but I'm going to. Yeah, that's where I'm at. It's on like an armchair um, in my office at home, but I have not cracked it open, just to be honest. So. Okay. So Jaber Crow. Okay. Was first published in the year 2000, 
But I was really thinking that it was much longer ago than that because he's been writing his Port William series for a while now. And this is one of those novels. So I, I'm sure you don't have these weird hangups and that this is just me, but I didn't pick this one up for a long time because I thought the title was ugly. Like mm-hmm. Jaber is just not an attractive name to me. I thought it sounded kind of sinister, but it's the shortened Kentucky version of Jaybird, which was an affectionate oh. nickname. And as soon as I found that out, I'm like, I have not read this book for the longest time for the stupidest reason. And now I feel like an idiot. So don't do that. Just, okay. I, it sounds like you can have your customers talk you into it if you have any doubt. Mm-hmm. But in this book, Jaber Crow returns to his native town of Port William, Kentucky. That's loosely played. I'm a Kentucky author, so I'd love to hear. Not, I'm not a Kentucky author. What I mean is I live 45 minutes from Wendell Berry. So oh. I have a hard time gauging his influence in the national sphere sometimes Absolutely. because he's so influential here. So mm-hmm. I'm thrilled to hear that he's really popular in your university town. So Port William is loosely based on a real place right up the river from me. So this man comes back to his town after the historic and very true 1937 flood mm-hmm. and sets up shop as the town's barber. And that's where he, he just really sinks into community there in the best sense and really learns what it means to practice the discipline of place and what it truly means to love. And the writing is just gorgeous. And Barry has this gift that, have you read? Well, whether or not you know, you'll soon discover. He's so mm-hmm. much like Robinson to me. Like the pacing oh. is leisurely, but not boring. It, right. it feels very deliberate, not, I don't know how to build narrative tension. You know, Mm -hmm. it feels like everything he does is on purpose. Every word he chooses with a reason. Like you just feel like you're in the hands of a master and you are just happy to be along for the ride. Oh, awesome. It's really just a gorgeous novel, wonderful writing. And his world building is so, that makes it sound like it's sci-fi, but you can just picture these characters in his whole um, series of novels. They don't go sequentially, but they cluster together and you get to see the same characters from different perspectives and if okay. it wasn't going to be Jaber Crow, it was going to be Hannah Coulter for you, which okay. is another one that okay. is so good. And they really do. They feel like they could have been written in the 70s. And I mean that in the best sense. Like they yes. feel immediately like they have weight and heft and substance and staying power. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm so excited. Yes, that sounds exactly what I was looking for. Excellent. And okay. I've been a little embarrassed that I haven't read any Wendell Berry ever, you know, with as with as well known as popular as he is in my store and how many new books and used books I sell of his, um, that I've never picked it up. So like this will remedy that for sure. Well, you've read so much. I don't think there's any need to be embarrassed about it, but that doesn't mean that you can't just cross it off the list. So exactly. So thank you, Anne. Yeah. So Andrea, what do you think you'll pick up first? It could be the one closest to the bookstore counter for all I know. Honestly, the Wendell Berry, mm-hmm. it, that, that's perfect. It's exactly what I was looking for. I love, I love that type of novel. Mm-hmm. Anything that you can really write down to Robinson, I'm, that's it for sure for me. Excellent. Well, I can't that's wait it. to hear what you think. Thanks so much for coming on. Okay. Thank you, Anne. It was so fun. What a pleasure. 
Hey readers, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Andrea today. Please head to the podcast site to share your recommendations for what Andrea should read next. That page is at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash 28, and it's also where you'll find the full list of titles we talked about today. Readers, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as writer Maria Rilke said, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone.